What up, what up? It's your boy, the killer bee, the fat man, the Africanized honeybee, the at google.com, at gmail, on Yahoo, not on Yahoo, on YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I've been drinking. I've got a rum and coke sitting here staring at me right now. Oh, Laughing at me in the background is my fabulous co-host, May. What's up, May? Howdy, party people. Mm, DJ Smurf. Not Yahoo. Ooh, that's like a straight Freudian DJ slip. Smurf, that brings I was ass. listening to a, a playlist on Spotify that had, uh, whoop, there it is, on a playlist. Yeah, Southern like, Bass. I'm like, why is this even? 90s and the rise of Southern Bass. Yeah, it was about outcasts and their rise, and it was sort of their link to Southern hip-hop, and you had paying tribute to, like, you know, Luke and that whole early yeah, Atlanta sound. You don't know about the so-so death bass all-stars. A little bit. Jermaine Dupree. I can't talk you. I want to be your baby. A-Town players. Ready. Ready. Little John. Trick right. Daddy. The early years. Luke. DJ Magic Mike. Two yes. live crew. Two Ooh. live crew. Two motherfucking live. Gosh. I saw them on Donahue. You young people don't Whoa, know who Phil Donahue is. When I was in stop. high school, Phil Donahue before before Oprah, before, before, before Sally Oprah. Jesse Raphael, before Jenny before Jones, Jenny Jones. Before Ricky Lake, before Jerry before Springer, Montel. before Maury Povich, before Montel, there was Phil Donahue. Phil Donahue. And Phil Donahue covered every possible subject you can imagine. The first time in my life I saw the two live crew that I saw black women in thongs shaking their asses was on the Phil Donahue show at 4.30 in the afternoon on broadcast television. <laughs> because Phil believed in, if nothing else, Phil believed in the First Amendment. He did. <laughs> that he did. I was this like, before oh, the... my. And I was high school age already, but still, I was like, oh, my God. I had never seen anything like that before. Oh. I still ain't, well, yeah, I had well, let me shut up. Well, let me shut up. Um, <laughs> it was a thing. But tonight, we are going to talk about or tonight, today, this evening, this episode, we are going to discuss my very first car. Now, I did not own this car, but it is the car that I drove for many years. It's a 1988 Hyundai Excel GLS five-door charcoal gray with pinstripes, and it had a five-speed manual transmission. Me and that car went through some stuff. That the car Hyundai. was now. Of course, you knew when you knew me in college. This was the car that I drove. But right. let's go through the history of this car. My parents bought that car brand new in 1988. We had just moved, and my parents wanted a second car, and that was the cheapest model available in the United States at the time. So they bought one. Hell, I think they paid cash for it. Um, <laughs> I mean. That was my mom's commuter car to get to work. And where she worked was, uh, I don't think it was five full miles from the house. I mean, it was literally just outside of easy bicycle distance. Like, you know, where you wouldn't even break a, a good sweat getting there. Right. But, um, you know, it was literally just her runabout. So for the first couple of years, she the, owned the that car. The car. It barely, I mean, like, I think they said before I went to college, that car left the county once. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, but I learned to drive on that car because my parents were adamant that I would, I would learn how to drive on a five speed that I could not take my driver test until I had mastered the three pedal and the, and the, the stick shift. 
Uh, do kids even so, learn how to drive five speeds anymore? I don't even know. I, I, I have a friend. Shoot. I have a friend right now, and his, his oldest is approaching learner permit age. And I don't believe they have ever, as they've been married 20 years, and I don't think as a family they've ever owned a car that had a manual transmission. Come to think of it, he's never owned a car that had a manual transmission since I've known him in college. Yeah, neither have I. But I, I did learn in college how to drive a, a five-speed. See, I, I stay on I'm it rusty, day. but... Um, you know, my Z's got a manual transmission. My the Stinger's got a manual transmission. Um, I, keep, I keep a car with a manual transmission because that's just who I am. It, it's part of my... Uh, I'll put it this way. My dad once had to tell me, uh, son, you ain't Mario Andretti and this ain't no race car. And he was talking about, <laughs> and he was talking about that Hyundai. Cause I learned how to, heel toe. I learned how to heel toe downshift in that damn Hyundai. Yeah. Um, Hyundai. I learned how to do a, a, a handbrake turn in that Hyundai. So that car was my driver test car. That was my prom car. That was my graduation night car. That was my first time going to college, moving myself in car. Um, First time I ever, mm -mm, a girl in a car, in a car. car. Um, wow. Like, Be, oh, I can't even imagine being that flexible anymore. Because well, I mean, <laughs> no, seriously, I drove that car. <laughs> I operated that car from the time I had a learn, well, even from even before my learner's permit. Because before I started formally learning how to drive, they would have me like learn how to ease the clutch back and forth in the driveway. Because our driveway had a slight incline. So my dad was like, no brakes, just roll it back and forth up the driveway. And whew, that was frustrating because I stalled at things so many times. But um, so if you can imagine from like, you know, 15 years old until I finished college and started working at 23. Yeah, I was 23. So eight years, that car was my car, so to speak. Because uh, I, I can count on one hand the number of times I got to drive the good car. So, <laughs> right. Um, I, you know, for the piece of shit car that it was, because it was a piece of shit, let me tell you. Later, I'm going to go through all the things that broke on that car. But <laughs> through those eight years and a couple of wrecks and, uh, you know, my sister learning, I learned how to drive on it. My sister learned how to drive on it. I had my first wreck in it. My sister had her first wreck in it. Oh, damn. In fact, I had my first, second, third, four, was that a four? Well, we won't call that a wreck. My uh, first parking lot, nobody was here to see that, so I'm just going to leave situation, was also in that car. It failed uh, three or four clutches, maybe five, brakes a couple times, a heater core, a uh, transmission, a rocker arm, a water pump. Uh, did I say fuel pump? Nope, not yet. Fuel pump. That car left me stranded by the roadside many a time. Um, and that, is this after it became a certain age, or was it a problem sort of from the beginning? Or by the time you inherited it, it was... By the time like, I by inherited By the time I inherited it, the Festiva, I mean, yes, it was so, past its prime. Yes, that was the thing. So they bought that car brand new in 1988, and by 1992, when I really started driving it, yeah. It was past its prime. And again, two teenagers were learning how to drive on it. But 
it, uh, you know, the clutch was an issue because it basically only ever saw stop and go traffic. Mm-hmm. It had almost no high, until I went to college, it had almost no highway miles on it at all. Everything was stop lights and, you know, one, two, three, four, five, five, four, three, two, one, or actually it was one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four. I mean, it, it barely even got into fifth gear because we were always driving in town, especially right. on the base. On base, the speed limit was 25 in most places. So you don't, you know, you don't work up any speed and there's right. stop signs and stop lights everywhere. You just, so it had a lot of wear and tear on it, despite having relatively low miles. Right. Um, some of the mechanical issues were just the fact that it was a cheap, car it was poorly made by a relatively low paid labor with cheap parts and that's just the reality of the situation but the other piece of it was especially once i got to college and at that part of my life i wasn't doing regular maintenance so oil changes were when i was home on break Um, you know brake pads were when i was home on break but at the same time I learned how to work on cars because of that car. You know, the first time I ever changed brake pads were on that car. The first time I ever changed oil was that car. Um, The first time I ever changed a tire was on that car. Changing air filter, light, um, you know, headlight, headlamp bulbs, all those windshield wipers, all those kind of little personal maintenance things that people learn how to do on their cars. I learned all that stuff on that car. The first car stereo I ever installed was on that car. And let me tell you, I, uh, I mean, I fried Gosh. one. I was say, do people still even do that? Like I point, crossed wires and fried a CD player. Like I literally let the magic smoke out of it. It went and a puff of smoke mm. came out of the dashboard. And I was like, oh, that's not good. Um, but my first, my first amplifier, uh, my first 15 inch bass tube, my first dual 18 inch subwoofer, Oh my God, I can't hear myself oh, think stereo was built in that car. I built, I personally hand built two plywood enclosures to fit in the hatch of that car. My dad said it was the worst money I ever spent. And how could I be so stupid? Um, but, you know, parts for that car were cheap. They were relatively easily to find. Um, it had little cheap 13 inch tires that I could get at Sears for, you know, 25 bucks if they were on sale. Rolling on 13s. Um, you know, cause, oh my God, at college, I mean, I backed over a bottle. Somebody put a damn beer bottle onto my car and I backed over the bottle and popped my tire. Um, Ooh. my senior year when I had that job down in the next County where I was doing the drafting work, um, this was after you met me when I was living in that apartment up in the north part of that city. Uh, my water pump went out. Like the seals oh. to the water pump went out to where like I would pour water in the top of the radiator and I could see it running out of the side of the engine. But it was nice. cheap to put that in the shop and fix it was a couple hundred bucks. Um, the night you and I went on our first quote unquote date, we'll say social outing. Social outing. Um, I dropped you back at the dorm, and while I was on my way back to my apartment, I got hit. Yeah. <laughs> and just dumb luck, because we had been taking pictures that evening. I had my camera with me. I was able to take pictures of the damage and 
her car and my car and where the cars were sitting in the intersection. Not that I needed any of that stuff. When a cop got there, he, he could, it was pretty easy to see who had done what. I'm not going to call any names, but somebody ran a light and hit me. But, um, <laughs> um, you know, that was when I was a court boy, when I used to keep a basketball in the hatch at all times, because oh. never knew when a ba- game of basketball might break. <laughs> um, oh, just, yes. Youth. <laughs> you know, um, all my child, youthful, early teen, early 20s stuff surrounded that car. And for that reason, despite the fact that it was a shitty car, I have a lot of positive memories associated with it. Um but after I graduated school in December of 97, I drove it uh, January, February, and part of March. And that's when I bought the Stinger. And at the next available opportunity, my parents came and uh, got it from me. And that was that. That was it. The Except end that, that wasn't it because they sent it to law school with my sister. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And she drove it. So she drove it for her three years of law school. And then... She sold it, although it got towed and impounded because the guy never came and got the car. She Oops. got her money, though. I'm like, he paid you for the car. He paid like, you and yep. then never came and like, got it? He took the key. Yep. And then it got towed before he came back and got it? Yep. <laughs> like, okay. okay. But, um, and it was having clutch problems when she sold it, actually. Although I think that was a I think that was a master cylinder issue. I don't think it was the transmission itself. But yeah, me and that car had a lot of things. Like the time that we had the brake pads changed and the guy at the shop didn't retighten the fitting. And so all the brake fluid leaked out over the next three or four days. Oops. And uh, the time that we had the oil changed and they didn't put the plug back in the transmission properly. Oh, no, it was a clutch. I'm sorry. We had the clutch changed and they didn't, the oil in the transmission and so the transmission seized while I was on my way back to school because you know I was an RA and I had to go back early Yikes! so the transmission seizes on the highway and I can tell you where Randolph County North Carolina highway Ooh. 421 northbound that does about not three sound miles like outside of Siler City I had to walk everything I owned was in that car because you know dorm oh. move in well everything except my stereo but uh, I had to leave the car and, you know, in 1996, there were no cell phones. I had to walk three miles. It wasn't a three, it was three, it was three miles to downtown to the gas station. I got to, it wasn't three, four miles, but I had to walk down a country road in January with a dog following me. Ooh. Cause the dog, every time I turned my back on the dog, he would try to sneak up on me. I thought that was hilarious. But uh, I get to the gas station. I pull out the calling card. I call dad. I say, dad, the car, it quit. I think the transmission seized. He's like, well, I can't come till after work. So I called mom. Mom said, okay, I'm going to take off work. I'll come get you. Mom comes to get me in the minivan, deposits me on campus, goes back. Dad comes to get the car. He tows it home with his truck a couple of days later. Turns out the transmission has seized because the last company to service it did not refill the transmission with oil after they had it off to change the clutch. Uh, so we got a free transmission out of that. Of course, it was a junkyard transmission, but whatever, it worked. Um, what happened next? Uh, there was a fender bender in that city where we went to college. 
Nothing bad though, not too bad. You know, we just, just a little uh, something. We filed the police report, but we didn't fix the car. We just it was just ugly. We kept driving it. Uh, there was the time it was Christmas break, and we were coming home, and the fuel pump failed. Mm. Now here's the deal. My sister had an exam. I was done. My sister had one more exam, so I went to the mall to buy Christmas presents. I'll never forget. I went to the African American art store in that uh, mall. That place. That place. Yeah. And then I was on my way home. So, you know, that mall's on a hill and you're coming down the hill under the interstate. Yeah. And I was coming down the hill and my car was decelerating. Oh, I was on the oh. gas. I was going downhill and the car was decelerating. I was like, oh, that's not good. <laughs> not good at all. So I pulled into, uh, there was a restaurant there. In those days, I think it might have been Chi Chi's. Oh, yeah. That restaurant has changed iterations several times. Yes. Right there by where my house used to be. Yeah, that house I used to live in is down there by Meadowview. Uh, so I pull in there and I figure out that the engine will start, but whenever I give it gas, it dies. And what we eventually figured out was because that was it was a bad the fuel pump had gone bad because it, it would get enough fuel to idle, but it could not get enough fuel to actually run. So whenever I open the throttle, it would just stall because there wasn't enough fuel. So once again, Dad had to come up. And, uh, well, they, they, they double teamed it. Mom brought the minivan to load up me and my sister to get us uh, out of the dorm. And then dad came up with his truck and we towed it back home so we could get it fixed. And just imagine that over and over again, when, when the clutch failed once I was in, I was at school. So I had to drive it home with a bad clutch. <laughs> right. Um, when the rocker arm failed, that was hilarious. The rocker arm failed. I was actually on my way to school when the rocker arm broke. And I didn't know what it was. I just knew the engine was vibrating real bad. Well, it was vibrating real bad because it was only running on three cylinders. Mm. Drive it back home on three cylinders um, yeah. with a you know maximum speed of about 45 miles an hour. That's now, in those days, ride. well, no, because in those days, that, that was a state highway and it was, it was under construction because they were changing it from two lanes to four lanes. And it went through several cities. So in reality, oh, you can the speed limit anyway. was 45 degrees, 45 miles an hour most of the way anyway, once I got south of like Randolph County. But, you know, in the places where it was 55, I couldn't do 55. I just, I literally did not have enough horsepower to go that fast. But right. um, despite all of that, me and that car had a really good, uh, like I said, I have a lot of positive memories associated with that car because that was the car I drove from the time I was 15 until the time I was 23. So, you know, every homecoming, <laughs> uh, every girlfriend, every prom, like all that stuff, all those sort of milestone events that you that have at, at 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, were surrounding that car. So that's yeah. my, that's the story of my 1988 Hyundai Excel. Oh, the Hyundai. Yeah.